0: On February 19th, 1942, President Franklin... D. Actually,
1: you know what? It was 1941.
0: Okay, then we're going to... Oh, no,
1: excuse me. I totally screwed you up. It no, you didn't. It is 42. It's okay. February 40... i was thinking Pearl Harbor was 41. It's okay. <laughs> Can you hit a race And
0: It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing, so I will remove. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm
1: totally losing my mind. Okay. This is
0: funny. Uh, we're going to have a good time. You know, I should go get a bourbon real quick. All right, anyway, here we go. On February 19th, 1942, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066. This was an authorization for the U.S. Armed Forces to remove citizens and non-citizens from military areas. This happened in the United States, folks. The result was an abrupt dislocation and imprisonment of one hundred twenty thousand Japanese and Japanese American citizens that were living in the Western United States. Hi, this is Greg Grasso, and welcome to Chapter One. Today, I'm talking with Teresa Tamura. She has just um, recently released a book called Menendoka, an American concentration camp. How you doing, Teresa?
1: I'm doing well. Good. Hello, Greg.
0: Good to talk to you again. Um, you know, growing up, we, we, uh, learned about the camps during World War II, the German concentration camps that, uh, murdered, you know, millions and millions and millions of Jews and non-Jews, but a lot of, a lot of American history is not being told these days, and, um, right here in Idaho, uh, of all places, um, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, we set up a concentration camp in in, uh, in Idaho to house Japanese and Japanese-American citizens. Um, how did that all start, Teresa, and uh, why, why do a book on this?
1: It started well before Pearl Harbor with a lot of anti-Japanese and, for that matter, Chinese sentiment and particularly in California, because they, the Japanese there were farming and were doing quite well in terms of making their land productive. And so I think some people felt threatened by that and also saw economic opportunity in their property. Um, when the bombing happened, the FBI had already been keeping records on certain individuals primarily Issei men who were considered leaders in their communities and so after pearl harbor happened they were immediately arrested and taken away from their families without knowing you know what was going on and so one of the essays in the book is written by Mitsue yamada whose father was ironically an interpreter at the immigration department in seattle working for the U.S. government, he was arrested and taken to his place of employment and in prison there. Unfortunately, his uh, wife and children were able to visit him before he was sent to Fort Missoula. And anyway, that is just one of many stories. The reason I started the book is because I wanted to understand why this story was so important in terms of this site in idaho being preserved for future generations and managed by the national park service um i didn't i mean i knew the story in general but i didn't really understand the whole history of what went on before pearl harbor
0: even Mm -hmm. and this story not only because you are um, third generation japanese american that's correct, yeah, not only that connection, but you being a um, photojournalist um i'm i'm sure you you started putting these these images or or at least thinking, oh my god, you know what 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 imagery uh, evolved from this um, and and as I read your book um I was amazed i was amazed at the uh, the survivability of man. Um, uh, these these displaced people came from Alaska, Washington, Oregon, California, um, and of course there were other camps in the United States, right? Other than Minidoka, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I I just can't imagine being uh, uh, being displaced and and put into this uh, arena and uh, this area. Um, but but you you photograph and you tell the story very well um a lot of these uh people that were in Minidoka were were very um self-reliant um they were they were common people you know that had uh that had skills uh, um passed down from generation to generation uh you know stories of family and so on and so forth and it was I don't know about you, but it it absolutely amazed me uh, the resiliency of of this people.
1: I agree. That was my feeling as well. You know, as I met and talked to people, I was really taken by their inner strength and outlook. Mm -hmm. I think maybe there were people who held or harbored some hard feelings, but really in general the majority of people did not which i just find so amazing
0: yeah yeah absolutely amazing you know my dad my dad was in um, the pacific conflict at 17 he went uh he left his home in uh connecticut and uh uh upped, uh with the navy he uh he ser- served uh on guam after the marines took guam um he uh he was actually in charge of a uh, an internment camp on Guam at 17 years old, and um, the stories that I remember my dad telling me was the, in, in general these were the most one of the most beautiful people on earth. They were they were smart. Um, they had uh, an amazing tradition and uh, heritage uh, that they had to live up to. Um, but they were, you know, as my dad told me, you know, Greg, these were these were young kids. Also, they were doing what they had to do. I was doing what I had to do, but I didn't see any I didn't see any difference. Um, so, so that really st- struck and, and stuck with me a, as a child. And uh, my father and mom, fortunately, uh, uh, kind of cast that uh, that uh, part of my soul um, to not judge. And uh, this is this is a uh, a story about judgment, also, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. And you know, these attitudes linger. I think mm-hmm. um, it's unfortunate, but it's nice that you were raised with um, a family that taught you to have an open mind.
0: Well, any, anybody in the service that goes into the service, you know, we, <laughs> uh, it's, it's all out there, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat. Um, we shower, eat together, you know, we, uh, we cry and laugh together. Uh, we support each other. Um, uh, so the military in general was a, was a, uh, you know, kind of a family type dynamic for me. Um, but I was, I was fortunate, um. Uh, what what's always bothered me about um what bothered me about menendoka after i read it was uh, was the fact that we just we as a nation just flipped out man and uh we weren't prepared for this and uh but 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 just this uh this ingrained um culture of uh of uh Treating people differently because of their faith or their uh, heritage, I I don't get it. I just don't Mm -hmm. get it. You know, um, I kind of sense that you are the same type of person um, uh, that, uh, you know, can kind of share this pain. Is that true?
1: (laughs) You know, I never even... It's not that I didn't associate myself as being of Japanese ethnicity, but, you know, growing up in Idaho, there is a a small community, but it's certainly a very small percentage of the population. And so I think if you grow up in L.A. or Seattle where there's a large community, you have a much different perspective than Mm -hmm. someone like myself who grew up in Idaho. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this book did help me understand um i don't it just gave me a a different perspective on
0: things yeah how did you go about collecting this information i mean this must have taken you a very long time number one um and i got to tell you again uh uh some of this photography is is just Unfreaking believable! I love black and white photography, and I'm really, um, uh, I really appreciate someone who's got a you got a great eye. And uh, how was it emotionally to to hear these stories and to shoot these folks? Photograph them, I mean. <laughs> I know. We always joke <laughs> well, it's, the
1: paper, I got to shoot the president. Yeah, I, I shot the president. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. You know, I'm sorry. But I was in advertising a long time ago, so yeah, I kind of hang on to things. But, but how was that for you emotionally? Um,
1: you know, emotionally it was so rewarding and satisfying to have an opportunity to have conversations with people about mm-hmm. something that – some of them they didn't really discuss with their families. Now, on the other hand, there were many people who did, but, you know, there were those that didn't, and it was an opportunity for them to share some of their memories with, um, I think, someone who they felt they could hopefully trust and know that their story would be recorded and shared Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm very much in line with that. It must be. This was a three-year uh, uh, stint for these people, weren't? Wasn't it? It was from what forty-two to forty-five.
1: Correct. Yeah. Some of them were able to leave earlier. You could leave if you passed the loyalty test. You could join the military after mm-hmm. they changed that ruling, and then you could go to school. Or if you had a sponsor and employment elsewhere in the Midwest or the East Coast, Hmm. then you were also able to leave. So some people, and actually there were farmers in the area who hired people and they were able to go work on farms and, you know, do that. So it just depended on your circumstance and in part your, I guess, courage to go out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. you know, I'm I'm looking through this book, and uh, we we talked a few minutes ago about the the uh, resiliency and the uh, resourcefulness of, of the this population. I can't imagine these these folks had to build their own furniture. They had to, um, you know, develop uh, or, or bring back any kind of technology they could they could muster up uh, to to be comfortable. Um, I'm I'm I, I can't get over uh, some of the stuff, some of the artifacts um, that you found um, uh, or were led to. Um, just just absolutely amazing. Um, there
1: were some beautiful pieces that were created out of found objects, primarily scrap wood or right. pieces of wood out in the desert.
0: Right. Do you have a favorite um, story? Um in this book, or, or uh, something that really grabbed you? Was, was was there someone you met, or someone you talked to, or... Wow, um, so oh,
1: there are so many. I um, would imagine. You know, the Cogitas, there's, I think, three photographs in the book that are related either to objects that they had, or the couple themselves. They... Mm-hmm live in Seattle, and Paul Cookita's father had these rocks that he had found and dug out of the desert and created this really spectacular garden in front of his barrack, and when the camp closed, he had those rocks shipped back to Seattle, and so Paul still has them, and he created his own rock garden in front of his home, and he's constantly kind of tweaking it and refining it and moving rocks around. And I just really admire how he has um, kept those items but remade it into his own creative project.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you find a lot of the folks that you... Now, of course, you weren't able to talk to a lot of folks that were actually there, but... um, uh what what did you learn about what did you learn? Do you learn anything from talking to any, anybody you know uh, your your book does uh, illustrate uh, racial prejudice and uh, uh, you know human rights and uh, displacement with, with families and individuals what did you learn give me give me something you learned not necessarily about the japanese american people but coming out of this book what did what did you get and 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 why do you what what are you looking for you know uh, um what, what what was your what's your objective? Um, uh, of course, this is educational, um, but tell me, tell me something I don't know here.
1: <laughs> well, there I was fortunate to speak to quite a few people who had actually lived in Minidoka. Hmm. What made it more difficult is that they were children and/or born there, and so as a child, your perspective is so different from that of being a parent or just even a teenager. Uh, The woman I had mentioned earlier, Mitsue Yamada, she was a teenager when she was there, and so her memories are much more vivid. And she was at a point in her life where she was going from high school into college, and she was able to go to college out of Minidoka. Hmm. so I have gained a different understanding that depending on what your age when you were there, you know, your memories are, are mm-hmm. quite different and so the perspective of the Issei who are no longer living would have been the I think the harder, more difficult times. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the people that I spoke to remembered you know, swimming in the canal or, you know, doing Mm-hmm. Recreational kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what I learned is that there are a lot of people on the outside, church groups and individuals who try to do their best to help uh, the Japanese community and offered assistance in finding them jobs or, you know, bringing items that they needed and just helping them get out. Something that I wasn't that aware of um, was how difficult it was after the camp closed because everyone had lost everything or many people lost pretty much everything and there was a lot of kind of um, harassment and Mm -hmm. difficulties like I just was looking at a document from the National Archives and it records a number of shootings in California into people's homes yeah. and kind of vigilante groups going up to doors and, and threatening people that they needed to leave yeah. um, so it's just hard to imagine that whole period I I can't quite yeah you know wrap my head around that yeah,
0: um, yeah it's well, you know, when, when you're raised and you're taught one thing um, uh, and then you, you get out in the world and see how it really works, it's um, it, it can be overwhelming sometimes. But I've, I've got tremendous faith in, in mankind. Um, um, un, unfortunately, uh, war and uh, uh, situations have come up since the beginning of, time, um, we're human, we're not perfect, uh, we have differences, but, you know, one thing I got out of this book more than anything else, um, and I hear this from, I hear this from, uh, older folks that I, that I talk to, I hear this from, uh, uh, veterans, uh, or true warriors, um, some that I know, I hear this from, uh, uh, Folks that have lived uh, a long time on this earth and have gone through trials and tribulations in their life, and that is that if if we all would just treat people with dignity and kindness, I I I really you know hate to say it, but I think uh, I think the world would be uh, a better place. Um, there's so much going on in the, in the world today that it, it's, it's absolutely overwhelming and we get, we all get caught up, but I try to pull myself back every now and then and, and take a look at what's really important. And, uh, I think compassion and I think respect, um, which is part of the Japanese culture. Okay. Uh, at least that's what I've gotten out of, uh, uh folks that I've known and talked to, um, uh, You know, I still think there's hope. What about you?
1: I am an optimist by nature, and I would agree with everything that you said. Um, It's it's a different world today than it was in the 40s, and Mm -hmm. I understand that there was a lot of fear from people thinking that they were going to be attacked. And, you know, you think about Mm 911, and the fear that that created, and it's something you have to live with. But on the other hand, in the day-to-day, I think, as you so beautifully described, that the optimism of the world, you know, can be at peace and respect one another is, is a much better perspective than the, the fear.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've tried to pass that on to my kids, and I work in a I work at a public library in Idaho, and I uh, I see all kinds of people every day, and yeah, I try to I try to kind of project that, just who I am as a basic person. Um, anyway, um, all right. Well, we've asked we've asked a lot of questions about. Teresa Tamura so uh you got any questions for anybody out there or me or what
1: you know it's it's nice to get your perspective on your own feelings about um you know people who are different than yourself but also just your observations about what you saw in the book um, mm-hmm. something I wanted people to get out of the book is a sense of empathy and understanding and to kind of introduce people to some of the the others who had lived in Minidoka. And so I just appreciate you taking the time to want to talk to me about this and, you know, having this chance to share our ideas together.
0: Well, as you as you said earlier, and, and this is I'm quite honest. Uh, this is a very honest uh, quote, I guess. Um, you um, you you tell a story, and uh, one could pick up this book and just flip through it, and a story's told. Um, but then when I start reading some of this stuff, it just you know a couple of these stories brought tears to my eyes. Actually, you know, I just I just don't get it. I just don't get where all the hate comes from. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> um but yeah, I I mean, uh you're you've got a great eye and I think you've got a wonderful loving soul. And I think it tra- it it transcends through your work here, honestly.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, true. So who are you, and what are you all about, Teresa? What do you like to do?
1: You know, that's such a hard question for me to answer. I <laughs> I, I struggle with that.
0: Sled <laughs> it out, baby. Come on. I
1: I have many interests. Um, photography, certainly being the primary one for many years, but um, you know, I have to say, I. I have finished this book, but I continue reading about the period, and it's just endlessly ind- fascinating to me the different aspects of the story that are recorded in all these different books, and yeah. it just—I keep learning about
0: it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we we can't forget. Um, that's what I tell my kids all the time. You you can't forget. Um, you, you have to understand in order to forgive um you have to understand and uh so you have to learn you've got to teach yourself you've got to you've got to research you've got to dig you've got to talk you've got to communicate um, just just by reading Minidoka um it gave me a little bit different perspective you know i mean I only knew a little bit about it and uh it certainly. Uh, I was not touched about the subject until I uh, picked up your book, and uh, so I feel. I feel enriched. Actually, um, I feel I know more. I feel I could. Uh, I could. Uh, uh, project uh, more empathy and more understanding. Um, so anyway, that's that's me. That's me. So you got any? You got any questions?
1: You know, you had mentioned earlier meeting, is it Stachin, the photographer? Edward
0: Stachin, yes. Yes, yes. I was
1: just so curious what that meeting was like.
0: Well, okay, I was, uh, okay, I lived in Ridgefield, Connecticut at the time. My father, Jack Grasso, who was a watercolor, watercolor artist, gallery artist in uh, Connecticut, he uh, Fairfield, he was very well known in Fairfield County. He uh, over a 20-year period, he painted a theme called the Disappearing New England Scene, and he'd go around New England painting uh, old covered bridges and old homes from uh, you know the 1700s and whatever that are just scattered all over New England. Because most people think that you know we we started um, colonization in in the 1700s and actually. Uh, one of the first uh, settlements in the United States is, is in uh, I think South Carolina, which was uh, 1654 or something like that. But so my dad, um, uh, my dad being an artist, uh, he was a uh, um, Navy combat artist. Also, he was uh, a member of the um, uh, Combat Society in New York, and uh, um, he uh, he got a hold of Steichen one day who lived in, um, uh, it was either Redding or Westport, Connecticut, uh, which was a town adjacent to us. Um, I think I was, uh, maybe 14, 15, 16 at the time. Um, he had, uh, we had a, uh, a gal that used to come over and help my mom out because we had eight kids and she was nuts all the time. And dad was working a lot of hours. So, we had this gal come over uh Helma something or other, uh, but she had this little little, uh, little brownie camera, a little black and white brownie camera right and she took just absolutely amazing photography black and white photography and my dad thought uh th- that she was so good that he was he would try to get a whole of in and put the two of them together, and that's how it happened uh, He contacted uh Steichen. um we went over to his house uh in the country one afternoon um pop uh introduced helma to to uh Mr. Stichen, and uh we talked and and looked around and uh, uh it it was it was it was like being in the uh, because I grew up with art uh in the fifties and sixties um and my dad was an artist, and and at that time the the art world was just exploding, uh, with with uh, this talent uh, that was evolving, and I I just learned very very young uh, to appreciate um, uh, artwork, and. Uh, and whether it would be photography or illustration or whatever, it didn't matter to me. Uh, art is art to me, and and if you look deep enough, you can find beauty in anything. So, um, it w- it was, uh, it was it was you know I was young, and uh, I, thinking back, it was uh, now as an adult, uh, um, uh, I didn't get uh, I didn't get overwhelmed like I would have now <laughs> if I had met Seichen. Um but I, I learned a lot uh, just by listening to him talk and uh, there's one thing he uh, he uh, that I'll never forget he told uh, he told Helma that um, he says he said something like uh, Helma you you have to use your soul and you have to use your heart when you when you photograph because if you're if 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 you're connected to the camera, you're gonna you're gonna be connected to your soul. So, don't worry about um, fake light. Don't worry about setting the stage. Just shoot what's in your heart and shoot what you see. And usually, that's the best stuff that ever comes out of any lens. And that that's was, fantastic. Isn't that cool? <laughs> isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, Mm. Um, I'll just never forget that. And I I met some other great artists like uh, Alex Ross. He was one of the most world famous illustrators during the uh, 40s and 50s and 60s. And uh, he was good, good friends with my father. And I painted a little bit as a kid. And uh, I, you know, Alex told me one day, you know, I'd be okay. You know, I'd be pretty good if I kept doing it. And of course, I didn't. I gave it up years ago. Um but I did I did cha- um you know I work at the Marshall Public Library in Pocatello and um uh last year I, I uh created this little uh area for the kids. I, I built a uh house facade um with a uh with a uh, gutter and drain pipe and everything and a mailbox. Mm-hmm. And I, I built this little, I did, I built this little uh, white picket fence with a little corralled area so the kids can go in there. And we got soft pillows and they just snuggle up there with their books. And, and, I, and, and I was looking at the space one day and I said, man, we need something. So I said, okay, I'll paint it. So I painted this 10-foot wide by, I don't know, 8-foot mural on the wall. And, um, I was amazed. It took me three months, but I was amazed of what I remembered as a kid. Um, and, and just looking at art, you know, just for freaking years as a kid, just looking at art and going to the Met and, and, uh. You know going to the guggenheim and and just just this wonderful experience of artwork that was exploding, so anyway, I was amazed um uh the next time you're in Poxello, I know that you you hop over to Boise every now and then, don't you?
1: yeah, my brother still lives there,
0: yeah, well, if you're ever gonna you know I don't know if you came to the library when you were here a couple of weeks ago, but uh um but anyway, so. So I guess the the moral is, you know, um, you learn something, you capture it. It's always going to be there, and all you got to do is let it go. All you got to do is release it. (laughs) It was, it was cool.
1: That is nice that you're able to return to your earlier interests.
0: Yeah, yeah. At 60 years old, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm 10, (laughs) 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 which. Um, but hey, I don't care, you know, because uh, I I feel forty at sixties or thirty, so the heck with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I I try to eat it up every day, and uh, I'm sure you do too. You know, you gotta you gotta eat up life uh, because it's it's gone in a heartbeat, isn't it?
1: It's true. It does go by so quickly. Yeah,
0: yeah, crazy. So, what'd you do as a kid?
1: You know, I was just thinking of the contrast of you describing your childhood and all these artists and seeing the major museums. You know, growing up in Nampa, Idaho, (laughs) there was no art galleries, really no museums. And so my chance for learning was the library, the public library. And so I would go every week and get books. Now, I wasn't really looking at... The classics, but at least I had that resource yeah. of, you know, going through different books, and so that's I think why I love books so much. Is
0: that was my childhood. Cool. So those are your escape, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you look back, we all we, 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 we have developed these escape mechanisms in in different times in our life, haven't we? Mm-hmm. You know, trauma will come up and. Uh, situation will come out up and not everybody's ready for everything and in, in uh, that hits them that's for sure and uh, sometimes h- hardship uh, uh, just like uh, um, enjoyment is uh, is is a is a lesson learned sometimes I think
1: yes it is and I I do think just going back to the book uh, that the hardship made people stronger and better yeah
0: yeah and that's yes and that's what i got out of the book also absolutely um we we yeah we started the discussion about the resiliency of these uh, of this population um but mankind is like that you know you you look back and there there's always good and evil um but uh you know i just try to Every day, which is I'm sure what you do, you know, you just try to try to give yourself a little bit to somebody else uh, and hope that something rubs off. And, you know, sometimes people follow, Mm -hmm. you know, so what else, kiddo? So do you cook? I, (laughs) I, I cook. It's my outlet. Do you cook?
1: I go through spurts of cooking. I like to bake.
0: I think more than cook. Oh, you're a measurer. (laughs) (laughs) You measure. Yeah, I grew I grew up in an Italian Polish American kitchen, and uh, I've been cooking since I was little. Actually, I just got I'm going to be teaching uh, uh, Italian peasant food, uh, some cooking over at uh, ISU this semester or September.
1: Fun. yeah now with your mixed cultural background did you celebrate certain traditions
0: we celebrate no no well, well we well okay i was raised catholic italian democrat okay so early on in the 50s and 60s um, my dad was pretty staunch catholic and i i was raised in parochial school and i actually went to a seminary uh to become a priest um But that didn't last too long because I was way too young and got terribly homesick and wanted to come home. My father wouldn't let me, and so I said, "Okay, I'm going to fail out," (laughs) and that's exactly what I did. (laughs) I, at 13 years old, I get on a bus and I go to the um, Blue Ridge Mountains in uh, Monroe, Virginia, at Father Judge Mission Seminary. Okay, to the Jesuits of all. And here I am at thirteen years old going into the priesthood. Because That's I was quite a story. I was well, it's true. I was <laughs> recruited by Father Watts, our pastor priest, um, who were, was very good friends of the family. Um and so I I get shoveled off to uh to Father Judge Mission Seminary in Monroe and I'm thirteen years old and for the first couple of weeks it was great, but then it was like, Holy crap, what am I doing here? It's like I don't I don't like this. <laughs> it's like I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I'd call my father all the time and, and my dad, you know, my dad was a tough teacher. I mean, he uh he taught us how to defend ourselves. He taught us uh uh you know, right and wrong. He taught us to hold doors open, please and thank you, you know, blah blah blah. If you didn't, you know, if you didn't do that, you were uh punished and uh, so um I I i law I learned a lot and uh but but it's like what am I doing here so I'm a straight a student I'm, i i like i love lat i loved the high mass when I was younger I loved the high Catholic mass with the Latin and everything and so I just failed out. I was home by the uh, last part of the second semester I went into um uh public school uh back in richfield and that's when that's when uh, everything started with me <laughs> so that's
1: quite a path that you've, it is you followed
0: it is good lord i'm a restless soul i'm i'm one of those truth seekers that i'll never be satisfied i'm a, you know i'm never content with with who i am because i think i need to be doing more you know the typical guilt thing that all catholic boys uh, get played with
1: <laughs>
0: you know you moving was, forward <laughs> late bloomer you know with sex and all that other stuff i mean typical to the core you know i still i still carry this uh, guilt thing on my shoulder and you know it's like i'm always trying to please and it's my kids tell me i'm nuts and it's like but hey tough crap This is who i am <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh well anyway, we got anything else, kiddo? I'm going to have to wrap this up in yes, a minute. Yeah, I think
1: I think are that we, sounds good. Are we
0: good? Yeah. Um uh, well, Teresa, it it um uh, seriously, it's been a pleasure. I um uh for some reason, I don't know what it is, but for some reason I feel a little connection with you. I'd love to meet you someday in person. And uh, if you like Italian food, um, I will cook you dinner. <laughs>
1: that sounds great. I'll try and uh, bake uh, something.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, we we could do that at the house. You can bake your thing, and I'll teach you. How to, I'll teach you how to cook family style. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right, folks. Um, Menandoka, uh, uh, a a book everybody really needs to get. It's um, a story through the eyes of a very good photojournalist Teresa Tamura. it's been a pleasure talking with you today
1: thank you Greg
0: thank you very much and you have a safe trip no matter where you're off to these days be safe all right
1: thank you very much thank you bye-bye bye-bye